Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Fellowship Podcast. We hope this message will inspire, challenge, and encourage you to grow closer to Christ. If you're in the Anchorage area, we invite you to be our guest during our morning Sunday worship service at 11 a.m. For directions, or if you would like more information about us, please visit akmaranatha.com. Uh, let's talk this morning about truth tellers that care. Truth tellers that care. Has anybody met a truth teller that didn't care? <laughs> they just wanted to tell you the truth. They don't care how your feelings are about all that. In fact, they sometimes there are people that are truth tellers that they hope that your feelings will get hurt by what's said. And and I think uh, God has made a great system. I don't. I only know this from one side of it. Some of you know it from two sides of it because you're both a mom and a daughter. Uh, I'm just. Uh, I'm just a son, uh, but uh, God has created this really cool system where he's put us within families, and, and when they work the way they should, not all families do. Tragically, in a world that's fallen like ours, uh, human institutions are prone to failure because of corruption within the human heart. But even within that system, uh, the majority of families can be really good families, and and I think God has created this, and when it operates ideally as it should, you have parents that care for their children and love them in such a way that they tell them the truth and they discipline them, uh, but they also comfort and bring them in and welcome them and, and love them in spite of whatever the failures are. And so this is part of God's genius design, and I don't know if you know this. I know sometimes we get uncomfortable with this kind of language, and I want to say it straightforwardly that the pronouns concerning God in the Bible are male, right? So we're not gonna we're not fudging on that. But there are moments when God is compared to a mother. Did you know that? Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you. Like a like a hen gathers its chicks under its wings, but you would not. This is like this is a metaphor and there are others in the Bible where where God is responding in a kind of a, a mother f- uh, metaphor. And it shows us that, it, that the idea of motherhood comes out of the heart of God. And it's a beautiful thing that when, when that institution operates, and that sounds clinical, doesn't it? When that uh, relationship uh, operates the way that it should. I want to look at verse 5, and uh, we'll, we'll dabble in some other verses here in Second Timothy as well. But he says, Paul's writing to Timothy, and if you know the background of this, um, he's, he's talking about faith here, and he's concerned because this is, I think he knows it at this point, this is his last letter out to Timothy. Timothy's a young pastor who was a, a convert and a, a young man who was raised up under the Apostle Paul to be a, a pastor, and he started pastoring as a young man. Uh, Timothy did. And so Paul is writing these encouraging words because he recognizes that we live in a world where truth is not always plain to everyone. And sometimes people like to manipulate the truth. Sometimes people do it out of ignorance, but there is a manipulation of the truth. And so Paul is concerned with Timothy in this, and he's telling him some things to encourage him. And And I'd like to point out here that it says in verse 5, as Paul is thinking fond thoughts of of Timothy opening this last letter and and mentioning him, I said, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded lives also in you. And then verse 14 says, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. And if you'll turn with me over to chapter 3, 
and starting at verse 10, you can kind of get this gist, and we'll, we'll revisit this again in just a moment. It says, uh, it talks about um, some of the difficulties that go on in, in ministering to people, some people who are um, obstinate. If you're a parent, you know uh, probably a little bit about obstinance. And uh, there's, there's this challenge here that Paul gives. He says in verse 10, You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, be deceiving and being deceived. So he's telling about a, a condition that's going to be present in some of these churches. Timothy is probably at this point the pastor at the church of Eph, one of the big churches in Ephesus. And so uh, there's a lot of confusion that's going on around that. And he says these things will happen. And then in verse 14, you'll notice that there's, but this is the, uh, but as for you, in contrast to what's before, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it. Now, he uses plural here, which means Paul isn't just talking about what you've learned from me. That's included because whatever foundation our parents have laid for us, we have to build upon that, right? We need to build upon that. And so consider those from whom you've learned it. And not only is Paul, but he's referring back here, I think, to uh, Timothy's mother and grandmother, you know those from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. All Scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So he's writing here to Timothy, encouraging him uh, to remember the good deposit that's been Placed, up, placed in his life. And he's going to begin to talk about faith and the, the importance of faith here, holding on to faith. And when he uses faith, he doesn't mean it in the narrow sense simply of believing in God. Sometimes we talk about faith, we mean it in one particular area. Um, I know when I was growing up, one of the main emphasis of faith was believing for the impossible. Well, yes, that's part of faith, but that's not all that there is to faith. You understand that there's also trust in which we, we trust God when the impossible doesn't happen. We trust as we pray for the impossible that he knows the timing and that he's in control. Sometimes we hang on to God in the dark, and that's part of faith as well. But, you know, in the New Testament, one of the ways that faith is used is it's referring to a body of belief or the contents of the gospel. All through this letter, Paul is telling Timothy that in, in regards to his faith, his, his life of faith, his relationship with Christ, he needs to guard that, his message of faith. He needs to guard that. He needs to uh, keep that. He needs to continue in that. There's all of these action verbs that relate to the thing that his mom and his grandma have placed in his life. There's some things he needs to do with that. And as we live in an increasingly uh, God-distant society, we need to hang on to the truth that we have. And I think moms play a key role in this because, because as it was with Timothy, you're the, you're the first near teachers. You're the, you're the nurturing truth-tellers in the lives of your children. So you're going to be the ones that teach them. Do you know in um, Jewish society, and from age 1 to 5, it was the mom who was the primary teacher. 
Now, the sad thing was in those days, and I think moms did a great job. We're seeing it here. Uh, the sad thing was that probably everything they learned about God was simply from the synagogue. They weren't allowed to study in rabbinical schools like fathers could. And so it was a little more limited. We don't have those restraints today, do we? We can learn. We can, we can grow. We can be great teachers in regards to the things of faith. And Paul, uh, as he writes to Timothy, the one thing that we need to keep in mind here is that what we know of Timothy is that his mom and his grandma are Jewish, but his father's Gentile. And do you know what that probably tells us? That It probably tells us that his dad wasn't his primary spiritual influence in life. Can you, uh, can you think that uh, as we think about that, sometimes we think that if the dad's not in the picture that a kid can't grow up to be a godly person. And, I, and we'll talk about this probably on Father's Day. Dads are really important to this, but you moms are really important to this too. That each does their part in telling the truth and caring, nurturing faith. I'd like you to just notice three things about faith this morning uh, as we think about this. And as I talk about faith, keep in mind this is not simply just belief in God. This is all the contents of what we believe when we're talking about the faith. Like, you know, sometimes I'll talk about faith and sometimes it will talk about the faith. That's what we're talking about is the faith. The things we believe, the relationship that we have through Christ, the content of the message that we preach. When you preach, you preach the faith that was revealed to us. Do you, do you see where I'm going with this? That it's more than just, in this context, it's more than just believing in God. It's everything that's included in that. Okay? So the first thing I want you to notice is that it's an imparted faith. Okay? Uh, be careful about how we understand this because Sometimes I think we Pentecostals think of imparted as meaning something that happens without us knowing. Like if you get too close to somebody who has spiritual cooties, they might impart that to you and you'll become wicked. We're not talking about that kind of thing. We're talking about something that's more intentional, something uh, where you're showing someone what the gospel is and how to live it. We know that this is the case because uh, notice it says here, we're back in chapter 1 now, in verse 5. Look at what it says there. I'm reminding you of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you. It's imparted faith. What, what Paul is saying is that first it was in someone else, and now it's in you. Now, this isn't drawing an absolute picture, because we know that prior to Eunice and Lois, there were other people that were believers in God, but he's saying in this series, because the word first here means the initial in a series, the initial, okay? So it first was in your um, grandmother and now in your mother, and now it exists in you. This is an imparted faith. They had faith, and somehow they were able to pass that down. Now, the importance of the other side of this is that uh, a parent can do everything to pass down faith, but it's up to the recipient of that to pick it up and to carry it on. When I, I preached my dad's funeral, one of the things God put on my heart, we talked about three different, the past, present, and future of his life. One of my cousins, who was much older, he was about my dad's age, talked about the past with him and how 
God had saved him at a certain time and how George had a past that was interrupted by Christ. And then my brother talked about the present, and it fell to me to talk about the future. And what it occurred to me is that it takes a certain level of humility to follow in somebody else's footsteps instead of being out there pioneering for yourself. Okay? And anyone who's living the life of faith, if you're living the life of faith, you're following our pioneer, Jesus, was talked about today, the author and the finisher, the one who goes in and founds the city and builds the city up. Okay, That's who we're following. We're following someone like that, but it's an imparted faith. And so if you thought about it, we weren't just probably most of us. I know there are accounts like this in the, in the mostly Islamic world where people have Jesus visit them in dreams. Have you heard of that? They have Jesus visit them in dreams and like people come to faith probably because there's not a lot of one-on-one witnessing. Okay? But if you think about it, and I think about it, I'm going to probably think about a person who told me about Jesus. Right? Like it wasn't an angel from heaven that visited us, that told us this. Uh, it was somebody in Levi's or whatever it is that your mom or dad or your preacher or whoever it was was wearing at the time. And I've told you before that the first time I really said yes to Jesus was in the back of a 79 Thunderbird, and it had like maroon fake leather interior. And we knelt there, me and my friend Stanley Mason, we knelt in the back and gave our lives to Jesus. <laughs> and, a 70, and I was three or four years old, and I said yes to the Lord. And the only other person in the car besides me and Stanley, and we wouldn't have been witnessing to each other because... I can tell you some stories about what we did when we got able to sneak out of church. Sometimes when kids say they need to go to the bathroom, that's not their goal. Okay? Anyway, back to the story. White, 79 Thunderbird, maroon interior, and we're back. Um, my mom, I said, asked her a question, I think. And she explained to us what the gospel was all about. And I think she asked, do you want to pray for Jesus to come into your heart? And we both said yes. And so it was my mom that was the first key witness to who Jesus was in my life. And I think that's so important that moms and grandmas and dads, friends, that we share the gospel with others because this faith is imparted. This is God's chosen way. Surely we could probably come up with, if we devised it some other way, where it might be more compelling initially, but there's wisdom in the way that God has chosen to do it. He didn't choose for his primary witness to come through angels. For one thing, and I've kind of seen this, sometimes if people tell you, if you tell people that you're a pastor, well, you're some kind of special spiritual person. But you're not. And I think that's the failure to understand. You, you know what I mean by that? That it's not like... It's easier for pastors to live as Christians than it is anybody else. We have challenges. Everybody has challenges, you know. But the thing that happens in the other heart is, I'm going to find a reason why you're different from me, and I don't have to believe you. So this is part of, the, I think, the genius and the wisdom of God using people to tell other people that it's an imparted faith is that we can relate person to person with the struggles, with the challenges of the faith, and we can talk to people. And so there's an imparted faith. And what better way is there than from a trusted parent to their child? And so I think a first witness before 
a child's ever brought to church ought to be in the home if it's ideal, right? Some don't have that opportunity, certainly, but it's an imparted faith. First in grandma, then in mom, and now Paul says it's in you that you've carried it on. And thank God for that, that Timothy is carrying it on, and Paul's going to encourage him more and more because this is his last letter. He's about ready to die a martyr's death. I'd like you to notice the second thing here. It says, the same verse, verse 5, says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, sincere faith. I think this is part of the reason that this was easily imparted or more easily imparted. I don't know if Timothy had siblings or not. I don't know what they did. But Timothy seems to have latched on to the faith of his mom and grandma, right? Would you agree to that? And one of the reasons may be that this faith that first was in them was sincere, and now it's also in you, and it's sincere. Okay, sincere. What does it mean by sincere? This word actually means without play acting, without play acting. It has the word hypocrite. It's like a hypocritical faith. You don't have a hypocritical faith. You don't have a play acting faith. And your mom and grandma, they didn't have a play-acting faith. Like, you know what a play-acting faith is? When we dress up and we go to church and we act one way like we're spiritual, and we go home and we act a different way and disregard all of that because it's all a show, that's play-acting, okay? And this isn't the kind of thing that was true of his mom and his grandma. And so I would encourage us that we need to be the same uh, where we're at, we know it's a sincere faith when we see it consistently in different places. Okay, I'm thankful for for my mom. Uh, she was the same person everywhere. She didn't put on a front and act worldly and secular when she was around secular people. She was the same Maxine. She was a Christian. She would pray for people if they asked her to. Um, and so you can see it when it's consistent. You can see it when it's long-lived, like the phases of life. You know, some, sometimes we talk about we're going through a phase or whatever. Christianity is not a phase that you go through, okay? It's something that we, we cling to in all phases of our life. As soon as we meet Jesus, we ought to be clinging to our faith through, uh, through our childhood, through our adolescence, if we're fortunate to, to receive the Lord at an early age. Through our adolescence, sometimes there's a little bit of a hiccup there. Uh, through early adulthood, when people are trying to find what they are or who they are and their freedom. But we ought to cling to him through that. And then you get into your adult years, and then you, you hit middle age. You go a little bit crazy. If you're wondering, that happened to me already, so... I think I've, that's in the rearview mirror. But then you, you're moving on into more mature life. And I think that our, our faith is durable enough to meet us at every phase in life. And I think that's been proven out through generations of people pioneering ahead of us. Come on, isn't that true? Remember, remember Enoch? It says the Enoch, he walked with God and he was not for the Lord. He walked with God for 300 years. People lived a lot longer then, 300 years. And the thing that always gets me when I read that is that there's enough fascination in God that you can stay fascinated with him through 300 years and beyond, 
right? Think of that. And not only that, but I think we'll be surprised that all things that we thought were beautiful somehow are only a speckle or a glimmer of what was really beautiful in God, right? And there's enough in him that we'll be fascinated with him for eternity. That's going to be good. But this is a, a sincere faith, and they had it. It first was in grandma, then was in mom, and now it's in you, it's in you, and a sincere, non-play-acting kind of faith. Timothy, you have a sincere faith. Live that out. It's faith without hypocrisy. Paul's going to encourage them some other things because there are challenges to being uh, a person of God, man or a woman of God. And I don't just mean pastor. I mean in terms of just Christian living. There are challenges to that. And one of the things that we have to do is we have to hold on and cling to the faith that God has given us. And you can be assured in that because the Bible tells us that he's holding on to us. Okay, isn't that good? As you hold on to God, he's holding on to us. That's important. So there's a sincere faith. And uh, then, finally, a living faith. The faith which uh, you're you're living in. Notice uh, it says here in verse 5 once again, I'm reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now in you. Lives. Lives is the verb there, okay? And uh, this faith which you're, which you're uh, living with, the, the word there is uh, a verb that's made out of a noun. You know, sometimes we have things like that. Like uh, an example of that that's very pertinent here is housing. Are you housing them while they're here? Yes, I'm housing them. Okay, house is the noun, right? But we moved it over into the verb category and made it an action. Okay, that's the exact thing that's happening here. When it's talking about living, it's actually taken the Greek word for house and it's morphed it into a verb. And it says this faith, maybe a close way to say this, the faith which you're housing, that's kind of clunky, but but I didn't want to lose the picture. Dwell would be a good one, except it's a dead metaphor. Dwell means to, to live in a dwelling, okay? But we kind of have lost the, the understanding of that or the significance of how dwell means to be housed somewhere. And so it's saying something like housed or dwell, which means that God, that something continues to live in a house. And this same word describes in Romans chapter 7, verse 17, the sin that used to live in us, be housed in us, used to live in us. And in chapter 8, verse 11, the Holy Spirit lives in you after salvation. The same word, the house noun, transition to a verb. He's living in you. And 2 Timothy 1.14, which is a few verses down here. And the word of Christ, you'll remember from Colossians uh, 3.16, may the word of Christ dwell in you richly, live in you as in a house, that this kind of faith lives in us. Come on, isn't that wonderful to think about? That faith can live in us in this way. And now what Timothy must do is he has to hold on to it. And he's not alone. God is holding on to him. The danger for Timothy through this letter is to retreat from the fight. I think this is one of the challenges that people and uh, intimidating people would try to intimidate Timothy. So he says uh, in one place, God's not giving you a spirit of fear, which is probably more like God has not given you the Holy Spirit in order for you to be um, timid or lack courage. God has given you the Holy Spirit for something else. 
to have power and love and a sound mind. And that word for uh, fear there is the kind of fear that would take on somebody who's in the middle of fight but wants to run away. God's not giving you that kind of, that's not what the Holy Spirit's about. The Holy Spirit causes us to, to live and to engage in the fight when we need to. And so he might be tempted to um, retreat from the fight or to allow the gospel to be mixed with other things or to get distracted by meaningless arguments or to get discouraged, to fall into temptation or anything like that. But the foundation that was laid by mom and grandma were good, and what Paul built on it was good. And so what Timothy needs to do is hang on to what God's given him. I think there's two applications here. And then, and then we're done. I'm on the last page of my notes, which was two, two pages. Okay, so um, he needs to, uh, as far as, as uh, his mom, the moms go, challenge to moms. Let's just expand this. Anybody who's nurturing with love. Okay, I don't want to, if you're dads, I don't want you to check out because this could be true of you too. Okay, anybody this is true of. Uh, I wanted to encourage you with some of the ways that my mom taught me, and I thought this is encouraging. She taught me right from wrong. She she taught me by teaching me right from wrong. I probably heard, that's not very nice, a thousand times or more. And little boys can't reuse that phrase. You can't say that to other boys. That's not very nice. They'll laugh at you. But my mom said that to me over and over again. That's not very nice. I don't know what I was doing that wasn't very nice, but... I needed to stop doing that, and hopefully in my adulthood, I try not to do those things that are not very nice. Uh, second, um, by reading uh, to me from the Bible and books about the Bible, we had those little golden archway books, probably some of you remember those, and she read great stories. I was just thinking this week about some of the books my mom read. Like Some of the great books I read as a kid and the Bible and the Bible stories were all narrated in my mom's voice. Yeah, and still... You can almost hear that to this day, and I think that's a wonderful thing. Um, she taught me by taking me to church even when I didn't want to go. I told you I used to hide under the covers thinking my mom was not very smart or something. <laughs> What's that bulge? Where did Luke go? He's something, Something's under the covers, but it's obviously not him because I would see his face. Well, she's like, you need to get up. We're going to church. I don't feel good. Well, let's go to church and get you prayed for. Anybody else have a mom like that? Let's go to church. We believe in healing. You'll get. You'll feel better. I felt better because I was never sick to begin with. Sometimes I was, but not that time. Um, and uh, she reasoned uh, reasoned with me through wisdom. Sometimes, do you know? I, I can tell you this from having been a kid, and you probably know this from being a kid yourself. Sometimes you played the devil's advocate against your parents. Like you asked the questions you really didn't believe, but it was out there. It was stuff that other people were saying. And you're like, well, why is this, Mom? Why is this, Dad? Do you have the wisdom to meet this challenge? And what I was doing was bringing the secular worldview into our house and challenged my mom with it. I remember one discussion we had about abortion, and I tried to throw out all the stops, and she met me at every single one of them. It wasn't even that I would care about. I wasn't passionate about a free choice or anything like that. I was just seeing what she would say, challenging her. And you know what? She didn't stumble and go, I don't know. She met the challenge with wisdom and reasoning. And that's really important. It's really important for moms to be able to do. And, and anyone who's nurturing with the truth, 
she did it by talking with others about the things of God when I was around. My mom had a Tuesday morning Bible study right after Donahue. I don't think we watched Donahue, but the TV was on. And I remember this is the boringest thing. They didn't have Cartoon Channel when I was growing up. It was boring stuff like Donahue all day long. And uh, if you got to the end of the day, you might see Mr. Rogers or something like that. But she had the ladies over on Tuesday for a Bible study in the morning. And I heard her talk about God and pray for people with heal- for healing and and uh, share the gospel with people and study the scriptures and um, just hearing conversations about the Lord was important because I knew it's not that she's just trying to fix me to be a Christian. She really believed this stuff. She's talking to other people about it. See the importance of that? Our conversation is not just directed to, but it's directed to others, and we get to listen in. And I got to listen in. I benefited from that. And then the sixth thing, I know there should be seven to be perfect, but I'm going to let you figure out the seventh one, all right? By living for God faithfully. She lived for God faithfully, and I'm so thankful for that. I saw it day in and day out. I'm nearly nearly 50 now. It's weird to think about when you're in this era, but uh, nearly 50. And she's been gone for over 10 years, and apart from the Holy Spirit, she's been the best teacher I've ever had. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you're in a place of influence like that, to use it for God's glory and to make sure you meet the challenges that our world's facing today because there's confusion out there. Let there be clarity in your home. Okay. I wanted to mention a resource I've mentioned before. and With any resource, I suggest you need to eat the meat, spit out the bones. You know what that means? That you've got to weigh through things and think about them. I'm not wholesale endorsing anything these recommendations, but there's a book called Mama Bear Apologetics. Um, There's two different volumes. One of them is Mama Bear Apologetics, and the other one is Mama Bear Apologetics that deals with the topic of sex and gender and all of that. And if you're in need of some help in those areas, I would recommend buying those. And if uh, you don't buy those, you can listen to them on Audible or uh, uh, Scribd. You can check it out there. But uh, they'll give some guidance and some help if your parents far more than I could in this area because there's some there's some things that you know as a parent that need to happen there. But I would encourage you, if you're a parent who has kids, to be prepared to meet those challenges. Now, if you've had a parent, how many have had a parent? Okay. Now, I don't know whether they were godly parents or not godly parents, but I think that the best tribute you can ever pay to a parent is to live for God. Because at the end of the day, all assessment is really going to come down to what God thinks about things. Right? So if you live for God, that's the best tribute you can give. And if they're serving the, serving the Lord, then they're going to appreciate that so much that you've chosen to live for God. And the word to Timothy was, take up the cause. Take up the legacy that you've been handed and cling and hold and strive with it. Paul tells uh, Timothy, Work hard, uh, work hard in order that you might be a, a good servant, rightly dividing the word of truth. You have probably in some of your translations, study to show yourself approved of God. And that, that word there, spudazo, work hard, work hard at it. That means that we need, if we're going to rightly divide the word of truth, we need to be in the scriptures. Can I tell you something? 
being in the scriptures isn't always super fun. I'm sorry if that sounds unspiritual, but there are phone books in the Old Testament where names are mentioned generation after generation, and you're wondering what the edification value is here. It's there, but it takes time to get into it and figure out what all that's about, and it takes discipline to do that. And sometimes if it's hard to discipline it for for ourselves, think about those that you have influence over. Okay, If you need motivation, you'd be the sharpest mom or dad or grandparent that you can be because... We've got a, a generation out there without a moral compass at all. Everybody going their own way. This is what happens when we disconnect from God, right? Where there's no vision, the people run amok. When there's no prophetic word, when there's no clear understanding of truth, the world goes crazy. So we need we need that, and we need people who will stand for truth. Amen. Stand with me if you would. Thanks for your attention this morning. I'm going to pray a general prayer. Zach's going to lead a worship song. If you want to come to the altar, feel free to do that. Um, if you've never met Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me encourage you to turn to him today with all of your heart. Would you say something like this? Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. I need your touch. I need you to be in my life. I need your forgiveness. And if you're sincere, you'll hear a prayer like that, and your life will take on a new direction today. I want to pray for those who are nurturing with truth, truth tellers that care. That's a, you're entering the battle. When you have a child, you're entering the battle. It's a cultural battle. It's a, not only cultural battle, but it's a cosmic battle between heaven and hell, between God and the, and the enemy. And truth sets free. Truth liberates. Truth convicts at times, and it helps us to know what we should be doing that we're not doing. But we've come to that moment in history, George Orwell says, when intelligent people need to simply state the truth. That's the kind of day we're in. We need moms and dads and grandparents and influencers of all kinds to say the truth. Would you say to the Lord today, Lord, I want to be a truth teller. I want to speak the truth in love, and I want to impact those who are in my circle of influence. And Lord, as you expand that circle of influence, maybe now you have kids, someday you might have grandkids, that God would use that for his glory to change our culture. We're salt and light, and salt preserves and light exposes. And so, Lord, help moms and dads. Lord, I pray that you would raise up parents in this room that are not so concerned about being their kids' friends as being the truth teller in their lives and their families. Help them to be equipped and to be eager to be students of the word and to know the truth and to be listening to the voice of your spirit so they could speak into this culture, into their families, and see something transformed and something changed. Help us, we pray. And, Lord, I pray for those who've taken up the legacy that's been handed to them. God, that you would help us to cling to the truth, to not mix the truth with lies, but to, to, to hold it out and to understand that this is what the truth is and to live by it. I pray that you deepen our convictions, that you expand our faith in the sense of trusting you, that you help us to be men and women of God who aren't afraid to, to stand for what's right, even though it means difficulty. Help us, we pray. We offer this to you this Mother's Day in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for joining us today. If this ministry has impacted you, we would love to hear about it. You're welcome to message us at akmaranatha.com forward slash contact or message us on Facebook at Maranatha Full Gospel Fellowship. We pray you are blessed by the message and have a wonderful week.